Hey mama, welcome back to the Mom Lock Collective Podcast. I'm Ari and this is Ian. Um, Hi. <laughs> tonight we are, or today, we are not two moms just trying to navigate through motherhood. We are new parents trying to navigate through motherhood. Um, we've talked about Ian being on the podcast before. Today he is here. So Ian, introduce yourself. Well, it's kind of weird being on this side I guess this side of the podcast, because I edit the podcast and do a lot of the background stuff um, for the Mom Walk Collective and making sure that things run. So, um, but I'm excited, uh, you know, for you and I to talk and uh, kind of share what we've been through, what we're currently going through, what we are figuring out as we navigate, you know, life with twins. So. Yeah. Yeah. So just to lay the groundwork of how we're going to go about this episode tonight is and I always say tonight because we record after the babies go to bed. So if you're new here, that's when we record. It's like new parents midnight right now. <laughs> it's 930. 9.30. Babies <laughs> went to bed at 8. We're golden. Um, but we have been together for almost 11 years. We got together mm-hmm. when we were 18 um, after our freshman year of college. And we got married after six years. Yeah. And then we had the babies right before our five-year wedding anniversary. So... We've had a long period of time to like build our foundation as a couple and then um, jumping into parenthood with a bang and finding out it was twins Mm -hmm. (laughs) is something else. Um, But now we're here to kind of share with um, if you're a new parent or if you are expecting or maybe you're just listening in, you're like, we're just planning on having a kid someday. Um, we're going to share mostly our, like, you know, from the day the kids were born and then touch base on how that foundation was laid. So that way we were put in a position for success. And we're basically going to do what we can to distill, you know, 11 years of trial and error. I think it's probably the best way to put it, Mm -hmm. um, into roughly an hour. So what we're I think we're gonna hit on a lot. We're also going to miss probably a lot of, of details too. So that's just something that I wanted to preface. Yeah. So if there's something that we miss and you guys are like curious about it, um when we post this, like put your follow-up questions in the comments and we'll do a follow-up episode as well. Um Jamie's gonna jump on at another time and really share her experience um with another single mom and kind of go uh, hand in hand with those stories. Um, but today we are going to talk about married life and raising twins. So where do you want to start? Um, I mean, I think when it really comes down to it, I think becoming new parents and that's where we are. So that's where we're going to start. Um, I think becoming new parents is really a partnership mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. And that's, I think what we've worked for a long time, you know, I mentioned trial and error. Uh, it took a lot of trial and error. It's actually become a partnership instead of two people competing against each other because that's kind of where we were at one point. So yeah, yeah. So Ian and I met like when we were freshmen in college, and I was a firecracker. I would be willing to like go head to head with anybody that said anything or did anything that I felt was wrong um, or annoyed me. 
<laughs> two different things. <laughs> and so that led to Ian and I honestly kind of led us in like a different direction than you would expect. Like you'd almost expect us to fight more those first couple of years, but Ian is very level-headed and calm. So it kind of balanced me out to the point where we end up not talking about a lot of things at the beginning of our relationship. I think it was easier to not be confrontational. It was easier to not talk about the things that were maybe bothering me or the things that were bothering her because it was, we didn't want, or we didn't know how, I think we, I think at the end of the day, we didn't know how yeah. to have those difficult conversations. Yeah. So for the first two years of our relationship, we didn't fight. We just didn't talk. No. Like, I mean, we talked, but not about anything um, constructive or how we could um, be, show up better for each other. Yeah. And then it wasn't until maybe like after that two year mark, we started fighting and then we had to learn how to fight. And we're kind of laying down like this um, background because when you're a new parent and you're not getting the best sleep, things irritate you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you get heated very quickly over the smallest things (laughs) because you're not sleeping and, you know, it's what happens. So. Yeah. And so I think when we became new parents, like we kept the twins on more of like a we weren't strict, but we were strict with their feeding schedule because we just knew like if we fed them every three hours, we kind of knew what to expect and we knew what to anticipate. And I think for us as a couple that helped us staying on the same page when like everything, like we had a whiteboard. We are whiteboard people, guys. We are whiteboard people. There's like (laughs) five or six whiteboards in this house. There's one behind us. There's one hanging. There's one hanging further back. There's tons. They're everywhere. Um, But we had like the schedule. So that way, not only were we in tune with um, their feeding, but also any family or friends that were over that were helping us, they were also, you know, kept on the same page with like, okay, these are the times that they feed, whether that was me breastfeeding and it was a production of like getting both to latch or it was, um, or it was maybe like, I think, I mean, at the beginning, I didn't solo breastfeed at all. I always did tandem pumping or we did, um, a little bit of formula. And so, Yeah. yeah, I think the communication for us, has always been it's been an area like a work in progress but now I think we pride ourselves on our communication I agree and I think you know that schedule that structure at the beginning was so important for us um, because it I think it created predictability Mm -hmm. if we kind of got to a certain point of the day and we looked back at the schedule and we said oh well Hey, it's three o'clock and we didn't feed them. We haven't fed them since 12, 1231. Okay. Maybe they're hungry. Right. I think it created, it took out some of those question marks because at the beginning, one, when you're not (laughs) sleeping and you have these humans, you know, human or humans that you're trying to keep alive, they're crying and you have no idea what it means. So I think Mm -hmm. creating some sort of structure helped maybe answer some of those questions when, before we even were able to ask them. 
Yeah, so. yeah, it helped us anticipate things. Definitely, I, mean, I think that's the right word. And also, we were taking care of two little ones, but yeah. Ian was also taking care of me because I had a C-section, and so I was like, I had a full-on recovery of my own with getting diagnosed with preeclampsia at um, mm-hmm. delivery, yeah. being on blood pressure medication when I came home, yeah. and getting my IV infected. Like He was taking care of making sure my C-section scar was clean. But you know, the early days also making sure like I had everything I needed in the bathroom. That's <laughs> true. But also, I mean, you know, I'm glad that she mentioned she was a firecracker when we got together because she still is to this day. She she was not a firecracker. She still is. Um, but I literally had to tell her, like, you can only come downstairs <laughs> like once a day. Because the first day we got home, we got home from the hospital. I don't know, middle of the day, 12, 1, yeah. something like that. Um, her mom and brother were coming into town mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. They were flying in at 4. So we got home 12 or 1, unloaded everything after the most terrifying drive of my entire life. With um, two new little two babies. Two babies in the back. Like, I was going 25 and a 50 the whole way home. <laughs> Basically, like, white knuckling in the car the whole way home. Um, and it's not like I could sit in the back like a new mom no, regularly because I couldn't climb. We had two car seats in the back, and mm-hmm. I couldn't climb in the back with my C section. So it was, we were just like, are they okay? Are they okay? So but, we get home. And she's trying to do all this stuff that she would just normally do. I mean, she she just does stuff. She gets stuff done. And <laughs> while I'm going to pick up her mom and brother, she breaks her toe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like three hours after we got home. I was like, seriously? Yeah. So I pick up her mom and brother. And the first thing I hear when I come back in is, hey, I think I broke my toe. And lo and behold, she broke her toe. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to limit her. To coming downstairs one time. I think for the first... It was almost a week. Yeah, it was a while. It, it felt at least like a, a long days. time for somebody who likes to get stuff done. Which I think that's also something to just give yourself grace if you are expecting. Yeah. and um, Or you're just recently home. is like Give yourself grace. Let people help you. That was yeah. unique. I mean, luckily, Ian can anticipate most of my needs um but I also had to ask him for certain things um husbands partners out there make sure you're the one cleaning those pumps if your wife uh, or the mother of your child is pumping because the last thing they want to do after breastfeeding and then pumping is then clean those pump parts and there's a lot of nooks and crannies in those pump parts. Like you gotta like, really get in there. Like it is, it's a labor of love to clean and sanitize those pump parts. Can't say. Yeah, but I think you know what also helped us. I'm gonna talk more about like application things in the beginning of becoming new parents. Is, and it comes back to communication we knew what had to get done. So like once I had recovered and everything, we we kind of learned what our new rhythm was. And your rhythm changes, I will say. Like the rhythm (laughs) ebbs and flows. But you do, you can get like a pretty steady rhythm for like one to two months at a time. Yeah, and it took us a while. You know, it was not like an overnight thing. It it definitely, um, your recovery took a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think because of the preeclampsia and stuff like that. More than we anticipated. More than we anticipated, but it's also, I think you said it really well, like giving yourself grace, like those things are not going to happen overnight. Like um, it took us a while to kind of figure out our rhythm. And once, and you know, the classic story with new parents is once you find your rhythm, the babies change a little bit. We say the puzzle <laughs> um, changes often. Um, so yeah, the rules of the game change a little bit, but you know, it's, it's a continual progression. I think is how I, it's, how it's been for us. I think something that was really funny at the beginning was the day after I got home, we had a doctor's appointment for the kids. Well, when you're just too single, like, yeah, I mean, married, but like, when you don't have any kids, you can just kind of show up somewhere and you're on time. Yeah. Like, and we are on time people. Like we are usually 10 to 15 minutes ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when you have babies, you kind of have to add in like a 30 minute buffer because At now least. you have all the extra things of like, you have to load them in the car. You have to make sure the diaper bag's packed. When you get there, you have to unload the stroller, take them out potentially do diaper changes because in the early days their diapers we went through so many we counted we did 16 a day which is so funny when people try and bring over like a pack just to be helpful at the beginning you're just like thank you I appreciate that but like that's literally one day's worth of diapers so shout out the people who brought Costco diapers and just to add to that point it was 16 a day each no, it wasn't. It was eight feedings, and it was eight feedings a day. Oh, wow. It was a diaper at the beginning, and it was a diaper at the end. Yeah. Each. Yeah. So we got a lot of practice. <laughs> a lot of practice. <laughs> so yeah, you kind of learn your, like, we learned our rhythms because we showed up 15 minutes late to the doctors, and this doctor was like, no... No BS. No BS. She yeah. was like, hey, you guys are late, so I'm going to yeah. go see my on-time patients, and then I'll come back and see you. It's a bit of slap we're like, ice, but... Whoa, we're new parents. Like, we literally just got home from the hospital. Respect it, though. But we did respect it, because we are like, okay, I guess we got to learn this, and so we adapted quickly. Yeah. I would do the same thing. Yeah, would you? I, I say it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, so I don't know. I Ian's so kind. I don't know <laughs> if he would. <laughs> Um, especially with a new parent, you would just give them some slack, I think. Um, but I do want to touch on something that I think people don't talk about a lot. And Ian and I are very open around this topic is something that gave us a lot of peace going into being new parents. I mean, finding out as twins was very shocking for what we had planned for, um, originally, but is we had gotten on the same page financially prior to having kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we did as much as we could to prepare mentally, but you really can't prepare until you're in it mentally to have kids. Yeah. Um, you can get in a better like space, absolutely. Um, but we prepared financially. And so a big part of that for us was becoming debt-free because that was just important to us. I didn't like things lingering we didn't like things lingering over us. Yeah. I had student loan debt. So we had paid off all the student loan debt prior to getting married. But then yeah. to make sure we didn't go back into debt, we also had to like set boundaries of I am the spender in the family. Although we did learn later that Ian also can be a spender. Can be. But I, I tend to be more of the person that's like, oh, 
I love that. Yeah. Oh, I need that. <laughs> That's a need. That's a need. That's a need. And so we yeah. defined what wants and needs were early we did. on. We did. Um, but you do but, want to talk about the financial? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, finances are, can be such a taboo topic. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be really divisive in a household. And I think when we, when we started having conversations about how we wanted to run our finances, it was rather than me laying out, this is how it's going to be, or her laying out how it's going to be. It's, Hey, how do you want this to run? Mm-hmm. Hey, how do you want this to run? Where can we compromise in certain areas? Where can we, um, maybe where can, where should I stand firm and where is she going to stand firm on those things? Um, so that it didn't feel like maybe I, like, for example, I was making the entire, our, our entire financial picture and then she was just along for the ride or vice versa, where she was making the whole, you know, our financial picture. And then I was along for the ride. There was ownership, I think, mm-hmm. on both sides, Yeah, which I think just set a really strong foundation mm-hmm. um, for us to, to move forward, but also to communicate around um maybe different issues that we were having or as, Hey, noticing that this spending is a little too high. Can we maybe pull it back this month? Yeah. It was not, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're a bad person because of this. It's, mm-hmm. it's separating us both from the problem rather mm-hmm. than you being the problem or me being the problem, spending money on whatever that thing may be. Yeah. And I think that comes back to like how, we changed our competitive nature of like, yeah. instead of competing against each other, which we found ourselves doing a lot in, whether that was in the gym when we were doing CrossFit yeah. or that was financially who was making more or um, just overall competition, we started to realize like, no, we should be competing against each other. If we're in this for the long run, we're going to like compete with each other and really fill in the gaps. And I think kind of jumping onto a different topic, it's like, instead of going like 50, 50 into our marriage, if you guys are watching the video, I'm going to do like a visual. And so going 50, 50 into our marriage. And if one person pulls back 49%, we then have a gap. Um, we went a hundred, a hundred. And so that way we were always covered. If somebody came out a little bit, the other person was covering them. And I think that helped us not we realized why would we compete against each other yeah like who cared who made more like it just we just joined our accounts and this is not saying that like this is the best way to do it or any any means this is what worked for us yeah it's like we joined our account so then me as the like natural tendency to spend I could see everything and I could see like okay we need to pay this we need to pay that we need to pay this oh, I'm seeing this too much. Like, let's tone this down. It allowed me to take more ownership over the financial situation. Whereas like when I was just, when we weren't married, when we didn't have joint accounts, I could just kind of do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And there was no real impact. I mean, there were impacts, I guess. There were (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like we said, we didn't talk about the impacts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Again, so. That's true, yeah. 
So I think going back into like becoming new parents is the fact that we were on the same page with like, okay, this is how much is going into our, our savings account. This is how much we always want available. This is how much, you know, these accounts are at brought us on the same page so that there was so much peace when the babies were born that like when they needed something, we could get them something and it wasn't like stretching the bank account. And then not only are we not sleeping the greatest, but then there's the financial stress. And then, you know, there's so many things that can get like piled on. You're not communicating because you're not sleeping. But I think if you can get those things in place, whether that's prior to having kids, um, whether that's like, even while you have kids, just having those tough conversations, I think that's something we have gotten a lot stronger in as uncomfortable as they can be so uncomfortable we've made it a safe place for each other to like share where we're at and what we need from each other so that way um I like what Jamie has said in the past like uh unclear is unfair Mm -hmm. like having expectations of one another without Mm -hmm. sharing kind of why you need that and where that ex- where that need is coming from yeah really helps make sure that like we're clear with yeah. each other and i think you know we, we i think we do pride ourselves on our communication because it was just something that we were so bad at mm-hmm. we we're so bad at it <laughs> oh my god you're we so bad um but you know i think at the in the beginning those uncomfortable conversations were not just uncomfortable, but they were ultimately scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it was scary to tell the truth of how you were feeling about a situation. I can only speak for me, but it was scary for me to like be vulnerable and express how I was feeling about a situation or how a situation like is making me feel currently. Um, but the more and more we had those conversations, it, it transitioned from being scary to just uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it still is uncomfortable. That's just, I don't know if that's something that we'll ever get out of. I hope we do, um, but it becomes less scary the more that you do it Yeah. because I think, you know, and I think you're so good at creating a safe space and I'm glad you mentioned that, that it became less scary to express how I was feeling because you were receptive. But you taught me how to have, like make it a safe space. Like, when I'm telling you I was the firecracker, Ian and I, the way we, like, our native or whatever you want to say, like, way of fighting was he needed to, like, walk away and process things. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to solve them in that moment because I was like, why would we leave things, like, undone? Like, let's just solve it right now. And the more, like, time that we have actually, like, we've learned what needs to get solved in that moment. And more often than not, things can kind of, um, we can walk away from situations now to kind of let the emotions like settle down. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you've taught me how to create a safe space because from my perspective, when people share things, sometimes it can feel like, they're judging you or like there's like something deeper or like something's wrong with me Hmm. whereas 
Ian has done a phenomenal job at like really sharing like, hey, this is not a problem with like, it's not something. It's just something you're doing. Like, it's not you. And I think that has helped me. And And I think it's, again, going back to what I said before, is, like, separating the person from the problem. Like, your spouse is not the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, There maybe there is an issue, um, but it's an issue that is happening. It's not your spouse is an issue that needs to be solved. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we learned that. Uh, I think we learned that. Um, one of the biggest things that we've, that we've realized, you know, I think it goes back to the conversation or the, the topic of conversation that you were saying about like being new parents and, and basically dealing with baby time, um, is like all the things that need to get done. Um, and all the things that just the extra effort it takes to get out of the Mm-hmm. Um, how I guess can you start can you kind of like walk through maybe like how we've started to to make that process easier of just getting out of the house getting out of the house yeah honestly this is like most of the time this is a win for us and we're most shocked but I think it goes into like we prepare the night before so we can yeah. get out of the house because I used to always see like the memes or whatnot of like, like after having a baby, it takes 10 hours to get out the door. And that's because like you, you have to change them, diaper, like yeah, diaper changes, changing the clothes because when they're super young, they spit up a lot. Um, you have to pack a stroller, car seats, like everything. So the way it worked for us was we had their infant car seats in the house and we would set them on our dining room table, unload them, load them there. The night before, we always made sure everything was packed in the car as much as possible. So the stroller was in there. Um, the diaper bag had everything we needed. So it was restocked with diapers, um, restocked with extra clothes, with um, burp rags, with bibs, um, just literally every anything and everything that you would need like extra binkies um we would also restock we have two changing tables set up in our house um one downstairs and one in their nursery which (laughs) for any new parents out there you know the first four to five months you really don't use the nursery (laughs) unless that you put your baby in there we kept our babies in our room until they're five months yeah, we didn't even step foot in there. We put so much effort into making that room perfect. And it stayed perfect for five months. Which was nice, though, was because, nice. like, I mean, we wouldn't have done it after they were here. Absolutely so, like, not. I mean, we would have if we had to, but <laughs> no it was way. really nice to not because you're working with limited time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was making sure everything was restocked in those changing areas. Um, And then anything and everything that was like prepped. So Ian took a three month long paternity leave. I took a seven month long maternity leave. And so that time really actually gave us a lot of time to like really figure out our system. So we're really grateful for that. And if you live in the state of California and you're interested in that, I've written down how I've done that. 
Um, and then with Ian, he uh, was actually given, well, the state of California gives you 12 weeks of FMLA, or actually I think that's the, is that California or is that no, the U.S.? I think it's California. Okay. Well, I can look into that. I've written how I've done my maternity leave, but if you want your husband to take a three-month-long maternity leave, I believe if you're in the state of California, we can write that down for you. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. I mean, it was like prepping everything when I was like pumping, it was making sure everything was like cleaned, ready to go in the car. Um, it was making sure like the breast milk from the bags were like poured into each bottle prepped to go. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like in the early days, was there anything else? We had extra outfits always because yeah, they did spit up a lot. And then yeah. we realized the bibs came in handy a ton. Um, but everything, everything was driven by our calendar. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think that meme that you were talking about, it takes 10 hours to get babies out the door. is like, we were literally planning the next morning, the night before. Mm -hmm. And it was when babies went to bed at whatever time. It was, hey, let's take five or 10 minutes. Let's look at our calendar. What are we doing tomorrow? And then roughly... How long are we going to be out of the house? What are we going to be doing? What do we need for that period of time so that we could get everything set yeah. in the deck bag, in the car, have enough bottles prepped, all of that stuff. Yeah. But it was all driven by just that really short five-minute conversation of, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to need to leave at this time. So they need to wake up at this time. Yeah. So it was all driven by, by that calendar and just that really short conversation the night before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will say like, just to kind of give the full picture, we did receive a lot of help. So we weren't doing like everything by ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, I think it helped having like our systems in place. So then we could, share those systems with family and friends so that they could actually help us rather than I think if you don't have those in place, the help may just not be as effective depending on who's helping you. Some people are better at, at anticipating what you need and other people need like extreme direction. We could use my parents as an example. Um, my mom can anticipate a lot. Um, she raised three of us. She had a daycare she kind of, she has more of an insight. My dad, I love him, but we quickly learned he was not going to be doing a lot of things besides cleaning. Like, but cleaning, he could crush. He and, would like deep clean certain things. And I think it, you know, what was effective for us there is figuring out, like working with your parents mm -hmm. to figure out the style that was going to work. <laughs> Because once we once we realized that her mom was just going to anticipate things and do them, we just backed off. It was like, if you're going to cook, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to do laundry, I'm not going to say anything. Like, you do what you need to do in the time that it that it takes to do it, at the time that makes sense for you to do it. But with your dad, it was he he wasn't anticipating needs. No. He needed literally a list on one of our seven whiteboards, a literal checklist 
of things to do. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. It's just different. But once he had the list, once we like laid that out there and he was like, hey, I need help to help you. It was like, okay, perfect. We can write this list out. We can make a to-do list. We're happy to make a to-do list. And then he made our house a smart home so we could talk to you-know-who to make her turn on and off our lights so while we're holding babies, we're not rushing back to light switches. Yeah, so it just, it was communicating with them of what they needed, like how they needed to help us. Mm -hmm. We needed to help them with that rather than, you know, he was literally sitting on the couch when he showed up here and it was like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And he needed that guidance. But once he had the guidance, I mean, he just ran at a hundred miles an hour and rocked through the entire list and then asked us for more things to do. And it was like, great, we'll add to the list. (laughs) It's it's not a problem for us to add to the to-do list. Yeah. They Um, also took the 3 a.m. shift. That is true. So, yeah, when you're waking up every three hours, it definitely helps to have somebody stay with you, if possible. I know some people like that. Some people don't like that. For us with twins, it was like we were going to accept help, like, whenever it was offered. And so we learned that my mom was the one that would send us to bed at, like, 9 or 10, and she would take them until, like... 11, midnight, like something like that. One or th- like, 1 or 3 a.m., Okay. Um, I mean, sometimes she would just accidentally end up. Yeah, she would. She would just do laundry all night while the babies were hanging out with her. Um, fly me to the moon with Graham when he wouldn't sleep nonstop. And then we learned that with my dad and um, stepmom that they were better at going to bed earlier and waking up at 3 a.m. And so, like, we would do everything up until 3 a.m. and then we could sleep until like 9 a.m. Um, I mean, if we could, cause you know, then you hear the babies crying and we have high ceilings and sometimes that would work. Sometimes it wouldn't, yeah. but we learned how to accept and ask for help based off of other people in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we are, we are super lucky that we had people that were, that were willing to help. Um, but it does, it does take, you know, it is a, a two way street. If they're willing to help, but you're not asking for it, mm-hmm. there's no point in having to help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a literally a laundry list of things that need to get done. If you need help, ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're offering to help, right? Don't be afraid to ask for it because it's a game changer. Yeah. It was a game changer. And also give yourself grace again, too, if like you maybe ask for help in not the kindest way. And I've shared that I kind of did that when I was like freaking out in pregnancy of like how people were going to help us, Um, specifically my family. So there's that. I think let's also talk about like kind of where we're at now. You know, I think one of the things being new parents also is, you know, that that can happen is the roommate phase, Mm -hmm. you know, with, you know, like we talked about the laundry list of things that need to get done. It's really easy to just think about the list of stuff to get done, what you need to get done right now, what's next, what's happening after that and losing that 
connection with your with your partner. Yeah. Um, I think it's really easy yeah. for that to happen. Yeah, especially when you're pregnant and maybe this wasn't you, but this was our story. Um, at a certain point, like sex was just not possible. It was not. So. I mean, yeah, it was just not. Mm-hmm. That's a story for another time. <laughs> Remember when physically we were at the impossible. <laughs> That's right. Um, um, yeah. So, I think what helped us like keep like our intimacy was our communication and like really relishing in the fact that like we were going to be entering into a new stage of life as not only partners to each other, but now parents to two people that we created. And um, I think with our communication, we always had like, this is typically what happens is we have like end of the night chats, like, we're in bed, we should be going to sleep, but we just like talk to each other for a while. And especially like when I was pregnant and the babies would be super active, we would just watch them. And, um, and I think, you know, going into that six week checkup is such a like, Oh, you're about to be like told you can have sex again. And like, I know Ian was counting down for that six week checkup. Yeah. (laughs) but to be like honest I was terrified because like I had like my body wasn't my body prior to pregnancy yeah and my um yeah things were different like even with the c-section like I've said it before like your vagina is not safe and um and that's because like things tighten up like a ton and it can just make things uncomfortable so we had to like work on like that piece coming back into it like accepting that things were going to maybe like just be different Mm -hmm. um and I think (laughs) I wasn't the gulp (laughs) I'm just, I don't know where you're going to go. I'm told, on the edge of my seat. I told Ian prior, I was like, we won't go into like too many details with this. This is more um, detail than I was expecting. Oh, well. So I think what I want to share is that one, Ian made it like a safe place for me to like kind of set the pace for what that was going to look like coming yeah. back into that. I think he also did a great job at me honoring like this transition period as a new mom of like my identity was changing my identity was like evolving from just myself to now like caring for like two new babies and he made sure and honored when I had appointments to make um myself like still like feel like myself um because when you're not yeah like I think we just keep saying like when you're not sleeping or this or that like you just don't feel like yourself so I the things that I prepared for those and they may sound vain or whatnot but they helped me were like keeping I had got eyelashes when I was pregnant and then continued to get eyelashes as a new mom because I can just wake up 
and not have to worry about anything. Um, I don't have to put on makeup. I can just put on sunscreen. I think you like honored me going to like hair appointments to make sure like I could still like just feel beautiful. Yeah. Um, going to acupuncture, things like that to recover, getting um, massages. Um, why am I saying um a lot? <laughs> I think, you know, the, the biggest thing that the decision-making process for me in kind of letting you and not letting you, but encouraging you to mm-hmm. go do those things definitely encouraging. was for your confidence. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I've, I watched, you know, my wife go from, you know, just her, you know, just us, her just taking care of me, um, to, to growing, I mean, two people inside of her body, which is a a remarkable experience. Um, and I think that, you know, it's really easy, like you were saying, for, you know, to go through that identity change, you know, for, for women, you go through that identity change for nine months. Um, and it's really easy, I think, to, you know, to look at your body, to look at yourself in the mirror and see a completely different person, someone that you just don't recognize. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that can be really stressful. Mm-hmm. That can be super stressful. That can be really anxiety inducing that can be really like that can lead to kind of depressive um thoughts i don't know if depressive is a is a word um but i'm gonna roll with it anyway um you know i think that all of those things jeopardize your health it also jeopardizes a baby's health um the stress the anxiety all of those hormones that go along with it that if I could help you just gain, just hold on to your confidence and gain some confidence while your body was changing, your identity was changing, um, that was worth it. What do you think made you have an awareness over that? Because I don't know if a lot of dads, partners have that awareness. I don't know what necessarily like led to that awareness. I don't think it was like I woke up one day and it was like, I now have this incredible awareness. I don't think I was blessed with this incredible awareness one day. Um, I think it was just, you know, it was lots and lots and lots of, honestly, I think it's just conversations between us. Um, You know, listening to your fears, listening to the things you were nervous about, listening to a lot of those things that you knew were going to happen. Um, and not just listening, but taking action to mitigate those things from happening. Mm. You knew your body was going to change. You knew you were not going to feel like yourself. You knew you were going to feel different. So, for me, I ask myself, like, okay, if she's if she knows she's going to feel different, what are the things that she can do to make herself feel like herself? That's so good. And I think it always is said that, like, husbands, like, are always trying to fix things. 
And what a phenomenal thing to like actually listen and try to fix. Because that did so much for me. Um, so thank you. You're welcome. Well, I think should we just wrap this up tonight, and then we could do a follow up episode on any topics that um, we feel called to talk about, or if you guys have an expressed interest on something, um, we can dive into more. But I think yeah. that this was a really good episode. I agree. Thank you for being on here. Thank you for being here. Do you want to do the cringy part or do you want me to do the cringy part? No, you go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we want to bring this podcast uh, as a resource to as many moms as possible. And so to do that, we need your help with subscribing, liking, commenting, wherever you listen to this podcast. We're on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, And share it with all of your friends. Share it with every, I mean, do it. Um, and then if you are looking for like, what is the Mom Lock Collective? Um, maybe you just stumbled across our podcast. Maybe somebody sent you this episode. We have a website called themomlockcollective.com. Go there. Uh, if you want to find a walk near you, we host walks two times a month across the U.S. and Canada. We're currently in over 160 cities, approaching 200. Yep. And we have a walk finder where you can type in your zip code, find a walk near you. If we don't have a walk near you, then um, you can apply to become an ambassador. We'll get back to you on the first of every month. Um, And then if you are local to the Southern California area, we're hosting our first mother's market. It's going to be not just your average farmer's market. It's going to be an interactive market, really catered to moms where we're having stroller companies, diaper companies, clothing companies, um, brands that we believe in share with you their brand and why they are here to serve motherhood. So, well, this was a good episode. This was good. We love you, Mama. If you're listening, Dada, we love you too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel weird somebody calling somebody else Dada, but we Dada. call we say Dada for Ian for Dada. the twins. <laughs> um, so we love you. Have a good night.